Welcome to Nature's Edge, my friends. This is Dale. Not sure what I want to talk about right off the bat this morning, but there's a lot of great things going on out there in nature, and the weather is really turning nice. So, man, get out there and enjoy it. Get your kids, get your wife, get your girlfriend, get your boyfriend, whatever you got. Get out in the wild and spend some time hiking the trails, paddling these beautiful rivers that we have in the United States and spend some time with uh, with Mother Nature. Speaking of nature, we got a we have a great guest today, uh, Miss Heather Housekeeper, and yes, that's her real name. And uh, Heather is a long distance hiker. Uh, she's a certified herbalist and uh, she's a published author. She has through hiked the Appalachian Trail. I think it's about what twenty one hundred miles plus from Georgia to Maine and North Carolina State Trail, which is the Mountains to the Sea Trail, which is over a thousand miles from the Smoky Mountains to the Outer Banks, and she's done that twice. I don't know why. I could see paddling from here to the, but walk now. Uh, Heather's also the author of A Guide to the Edible and Medicinal Plants of the Mountains to Sea Trail, and she offers educational plant walks uh, for all age groups and, and talks to people about how to cook wild edibles and how to prepare uh, 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 natural medicines. She's also a volunteer with the Friends of the Mountain to Sea Trail, so she helps other hikers in planning their hikes and preparing both physically and mentally for the trail. And trust me, mentally is an important part, and we're going to talk with Heather a little bit, a bit more about the mental aspect. And through this work, she seeks to help others bridge the gap between the natural and civilized world. And uh, she's thinking now and has set her sights on a 860-mile trek across the state of New York on the Finger Lakes Trail. And 860 miles for Heather is just a walk in the uh, walk in the park. Heather, welcome to Nature's Edge. Hi, Dale. Thank you. I got to ask, what got you into long-distance hiking? Oh well, I I grew up. Right next to uh, the Pinchot Estate um, up in northeastern Pennsylvania. And as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, Gifford Pinchot was the father of conservation. So there were over 1,100 acres of just forests next to my childhood home. So that was my playground, running around in those woods and finding deer trails and, and basically wherever I could find just to have an adventure. So you're a... Um your tracker as well. <laughs> oh, and in some ways, some aspects. So when you're high, you know what a bear track looks like. I know what a bear track looks like. Yeah, and a I know bear. how to track down a good meal while I'm on the trail. Not not bear, but uh, yeah, good hot meal. <laughs> um, so so what got you? I, I I know your background there, I, and I'm I'm sure this is also what got you interested in in plants, both edible and and uh, the the medical aspects of them. Well, I suppose I always felt drawn to the the plant world, Um, but while I was in college at Warren Wilson, I worked on the uh, garden crew. So I spent two years there just hands in the dirt, getting to know how plants grow and um, what they look like and smell like and taste like, and um, I felt very drawn to the herbs in particular. And, you know, while I was on the Appalachian Trail... I became very aware of how we were very much humans passing through this landscape rather than interacting with it. A lot of the hikers, uh, myself included, at least in the beginning, were very mileage-focused, physicality-focused, 
although we were enjoying the views, that was not the, the really the the um, yeah the I, focal point. I, I fully understand. You know, I'm a paddler, not a walker, but uh, uh, I've done my share of walking. But uh, uh, and, and paddling is the same thing with me. You know, it's it's getting there and the physical aspect and the mental aspect of of, of going I, I you know i don't think too much and i and, and you guys may not do this either but i don't think when i start out that my gosh i'm fixing to go three thousand miles or so in, in, a, in a little boat i just think about what i want to accomplish for that day how many miles i hope to be able to cover and and do that and people do ask and i'm sure they ask well don't you miss nature no i'm out there in it and, and uh, i'm keeping an eye on it constantly so I guess the same thing, huh? Yes, absolutely. Um, but what I felt like we were missing out on was actually really interacting with our landscape and um, recognizing that it was our environment that was supporting us in in our hike. You know, we were drinking from the streams. We were sleeping under the boughs of the trees. We were reliant upon having nice dirt track instead of uh, <laughs> clamoring over giant boulders. Um and I also saw that so many of us uh, really desired just real food. You know, backpacker food is pretty horrendous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, lots of uh, dehydrated noodles and rice dishes and uh, bagels and cheese and peanut butter and all, all those things that, um, sure, they are perhaps mineral-rich, but not fiber-rich, not antioxidant-rich, not vitamin-rich. Um, and so those of us who gave up about healthy eating uh, would try and pack things out like uh, avocados and heads of broccoli, bags of carrots, and or maybe that was just me. I don't know how many other hikers were that nuts. But <laughs> yeah. Wait. And by the way, uh, my sponsor, who is a major supplier of hiking food, this was not headed toward you. <laughs> There are some good granola bars out there. It's true. <laughs> there are. And uh, Cliff's, thanks. <laughs> I ate a lot of Cliff bars. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that's – and, and it's, it's true. You do sort of get that. Now, I, I'm fortunate that I fish when, when I'm uh, – when I'm paddling, so I'll I'll throw a line out and drag along. That would help. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, a lot of times I have fish at night when I get to my get to my camp. So it's sort of the same thing. It's it's looking at that. So, um, how did you really learn about plants, though? It wasn't by trial and error, huh? No, no. So when I got off the Appalachian Trail, I thought this was nuts. I hiked for six months down this trail, packing out all kinds of veggies from uh, the towns that I would hit along the way. Why don't I learn a thing or two about um, about what wild edible plants are out there and also medicinal plants? And like I said, I'd always had an interest from working um, in the garden, and then I'd also managed a small health food store uh, in my early 20s. And so um, there, you know, I did a lot of study with uh, natural supplements and herbal remedies, that kind of thing. So... After I got off the AT, I went to the Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine, which is located here in Asheville, and did a one-year program there where we uh, went out in the field uh, twice a week and just studied the plants and learned all about what their uses were and how to identify them, their scientific names, and um, their history of use, and then uh, went on several week, week and a half long uh, trips out in the field as well, just harvesting and using the plants 
um, for meals and yeah, and I tell people too. You know, it's really important. I think that you do take a take a class with a real uh, person and get out and actually look at the plant. I, a lot of people will just buy a book and they'll look at a plant, but as you know, plants look different in the wild. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a difference between the the small plants and the mature plants. So, and some of the plants that are extremely uh, valuable to you as a food source or medicine choice have some plants that look a lot like them that that. Or not so good. <laughs> that will not do you any good. No, no. 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 And might cause you uh, cause you some problem. Leslie, how are we doing on time? We got a minute, so you want us to keep talking, don't you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, you, as you got got into your classes and you did all of that, then um, then you're back on the trail. Now you've only done the Appalachian Trail once. Well, I did a 1,000-mile thru-hike attempt. Ah. So although it was 1,000 miles, I did not make it. <laughs> so I uh, uh, went 1,000 and threw in the towel because, um, goodness, injuries, all kinds of issues. We're going to talk about uh, Heather quitting uh, <laughs> on, on her trail hike when we come back uh, from this brief message. This is Dale Stewart. This is Nature's Edge, and we're going to take a break, and we will return. While you still can. Don't even try to understand Just find a place to make your stand Take it easy Well, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona It's such a fine sight to see It's a girl, my lord, in a buffalo herd You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd you know I like buffalo and I like bison, and where are you getting my music from? I, she does that, folks, as most of you that listen to the program know. At least it's not girly music today. You know, sometimes, sometimes she plays that girly stuff that were theme songs from uh, soap operas or, or, or whatever. We're, we're talking with Heather Housekeeper. And uh, Heather's a long-distance hiker, and she's a certified herbalist and uh, published author. And, and right before the break, we were talking about uh, a 1,000-mile hike that she was doing, which she quit. And uh, I know there's more to the story than that because, it is, uh, um, as most of you know, there are things that happen out there. Heather, let's talk a little bit about... First of all, you quitting, and second of all... I took a break. You took a break, okay. <laughs> Have you gone back and finished that yet? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, I started okay. back at the beginning. That'll, well, there you go. <laughs> then then you've, got, you've got my attention again. But people that do long-distance things like that, and even just weekend things, I think two things that they really don't think about is what they will do if, if they're injured, yeah. and then uh, the mental stuff. The, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the mental stuff really kicks in if you do have an injury or so, or something out there. So, talk a little bit about your your the physical aspects of of long hiking or distance hiking and the mental aspects. Absolutely. Well, I really feel like it's about eighty percent, ninety percent mental. The rest is physical. I mean, you've got to sure you've got to be able to push your body for miles and miles and miles, day after day after day, and endure that. However, a lot of it just comes from the mental stability um, and, the, and the passion, the drive to, to continue on your track. Um, I did 
Oh, a good year's worth of just solid research before I hit the Appalachian Trail the first time, all about gear and, you know, what kind of sleeping bag I should have, what kind of pack I should have, what kind of shoes I should wear. I certainly did not just throw myself out there willy-nilly, made an itinerary, all of that, looked at what time I should start in order to uh, finish on time because you have to get to Mount Katahdin, the final um, mountain up in Maine, by October 15th because then they just quite literally close it down. Yeah. Um, and so I started March 4th thinking, oh, well, I'll have lots of time this way. Well, uh, you start down in Georgia where te- the temperature is pretty pretty mild, but um, as you make your way, the mountains get taller in uh, North Carolina. And when I hit those balds um, around the Roan Highlands and that area I ran into uh, – Zero degree temperatures and uh, 50 mile per hour winds and snow and sleet and the whole gamut. Um, Welcome to nature. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, well, that scared the crap out of me. A little hard to find the uh, blazes on the rocks when there's a foot of snow um, covering them and you're following other, peop- other lost hikers' footsteps yeah. over, the, uh, over the mountains there. Um, so I ran into, you know, some weather, weather complications. Um, and that sketchy weather did continue off and on throughout the month of April as I was walking further north. Um, also, just blisters, my God. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, footwear you have on when your body is beginning to, just beginning to um, adjust to that kind of, that kind of physicality, um, you're going to have, have some issues that way. So I went from boots to trail runners to pay less shoe, pay less sneakers, whatever I could try because nothing felt good. Um, and those blisters continued throughout my, my thousand mile hike. And I had a very heavy pack like most hikers do in the beginning and just did everything I could to try and um, get rid of the non-essentials. Um, and, you know, homesickness too. You're out there, you're you're by yourself. You know, there's other hikers out there, but ultimately when it comes down to it, you are relying upon yourself. And um, there's many nights that you are just alone, completely alone, all day long, all night long. Um, and that was hard when you've got loved ones back home that you're that you're missing and all the comforts of home. Um, so what I ended up doing on that thousand mile trek was I actually went from Georgia to Virginia and then... After um, some horrendous weather in Virginia, I said, oh, forget this. I'm done. What was I thinking? You know, and uh, got off for about a week and then again was like, what was I thinking? I can't. No, I can't get this up. So then I um, went up to the border of PA and Jersey and hiked from there up to uh, Lyme, New Hampshire, telling myself, well, that'll at least be a thousand miles. And then I'll just do the, the other thousand the following year. Well, of course, I had about uh, oh nine months to think about that, and no, no, I couldn't just begin where I had left off. I had a plan to do the entire trek and be out there for six months and um, know what it's like to walk from point A all the way to point B in one continuous um, stretch, and so I started back at the beginning, and I did not get a blister until West Virginia, 1,400 miles in. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that it... So, it, it, it yeah, you know, that one of the things that I get asked a lot um, because uh, of all the solo stuff that I do is that is that same thing and and, and uh, the, the mental aspect of missing people and all of that and, and being lonely. And I say, you know, I really, 
I don't get lonely, but yes, I, I do miss my wife and you know friends and 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 um, Guinness beer and my bananas <laughs> sometimes. But you know when I when I did the Amazon, I was three months before I saw another human. Wow. And uh, and that the first humans I saw, I actually had to hide from because I was pretty sure they were cocaine smugglers. <laughs> um, so I kind of hid from them. But yeah, it, it's it is something there. And people always ask me if I ever thought about quitting every day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you, and people say, "Oh, well," but that's really when that mental toughness and that that mental and a bad day on the trail is always better than absolutely. than uh any day in the <laughs> absolutely you know i, I had rather be yeah a bad day for me out in the middle of nowhere is a great day compared to working eight to five somewhere absolutely. that would you know that would that would be pure mental uh stress for me how do you heather do you prepare do you have any routine or do you meditate i mean how do how do you stay mentally tough when you're out there uh, well, I, I do do a fair amount of meditation. I'm a yoga teacher as well, so I suppose I've honed some of those skills. Um, but really, I think it is about just being comfortable with, with being alone, realizing that being alone is not lonely. You're no. just alone. No. And also, the more time you spend out in nature, I feel you feel less and less alone because you realize, okay, well, I'm surrounded by all kinds of life. Yeah. And, um, and in a way, I some of it's trying to kill you. But <laughs> it's true. <laughs> at night when you hear the big footsteps around your, yeah. uh, around your tent, rustling through the leaves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's fulfilling to, to experience some of those more raw and challenging parts of, um, of of life. I mean, that's a big part of what I like about the trail is just that that raw reality. You know, where am I going to sleep? Where am I going to get my food? Mm-hmm. How am I going to get from point A to point B? Where am I going to find water next? You know, I mean, it's it's those are big big questions, big important questions, but yeah. they're what matter too. You well, know? you're in that survival mindset. I mean, you, you and you're very focused. And and I tell people, focus is is the uh, is the important part because I get up that morning and I have some idea of how far I want to go, but I'm also looking at the weather. I'm looking at the river. I'm looking at what's going on around me. I'm listening to things that that I may or may not be aware of of, of what they are. But the focus is there. I know what the goal is, and 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 I would think that's the same thing uh, true with, with a through hiker. You you're really in that survival mode. You know where am I going to find a place to camp tonight? Where you know, uh, and then the and then your body is uh, you really learn to listen to your body. I mean, Absolutely. It, it, your body tells you when it's time to stop. It tells you when you're tired. It tells you when you're injured. And and uh, as you know, those are things you better listen to, uh, especially if you're a solo. Because if something bad happens, uh, you could really be in trouble out there. And you and you gain the confidence too to trust what your body is telling you. To know that when it's telling you it's too much, it's too much. And you just gain the mental confidence as you, well you, of like, okay, well, I made it through this one. I didn't think I was going to make it. I made it. Absolutely. You're listening to Nature's Edge. This is Dale. We're talking with Heather Housekeeper. And we're talking about long-distance hiking. But uh, you know, the, what we're talking about really, guys, it applies to you whether you're hiking, you're paddling, uh, just everyday life and um, uh, what you're doing. So we're going to be back in a few. Talk to you then. Be 
the music is better, Leslie. You're doing you're doing better uh, with uh, with the selection. Why is his microphone wanting to uh, fall down? Did you do that, Leslie? Did you? Yeah, yeah uh, fix that like that. This is Dale, and uh, welcome back to Nature's Edge. We're talking with Heather, housekeeper, and Heather is a long distance hiker. She's a certified herbalist. She's a published author, and and, and just a fun person. We we're sitting here talking about. Uh, uh, long hikes and long paddles and and spending time out there in in the wild and I, I know that uh, Heather you've you've gone through and looked at a lot of different gear and and everything else and uh, let's talk a little a, a little bit about uh, lightweight hiking let's talk a little bit about uh, hiking more healthy uh, health I can't talk anymore because <laughs> yeah thank you very much uh what it, what she said, and <laughs> uh, but I, I know a lot of hikers, and they 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 tend to really be into this minimalist type hiking. I mean, I've seen people trim the edges off their maps because they want to cut down on weight. Tell me about that. Yes, yeah, some hikers take it very far. I am honestly not one of those hikers, um, especially with my plant research that I've done on the mountains to sea trail. Um, I have to carry a uh, netbook, or now I'm upgrading to a tablet. I'm getting a little more technological here. There you go. Um, you, I also have to carry a couple of plant guides, you know, the old school paper paper books. Um, so that always uh, adds a little weight to the pack. But it is important to uh, keep your pack weight down just because even if you're strong enough, I mean, a lot of folks will go out there thinking, oh, I can, I can haul this, you know, my 60-pound pack. Well, eventually, after so many miles, your bones and muscles are going to uh, begin to wear, wear down. Um, stress fractures will incur um, all, a whole multitude of things that could come out of that. Um, so keeping the pack weight down is important, and that's where I think foraging comes in. Um, if you are familiar with wild edible greens, roots, seeds, berries, all that, um, you can supplement your your backpacker food with with some of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I and I I'm not telling folks to go out there and live completely off the land because if you're long distance hiking, that's pretty impossible. There's no way to get 20 miles down and be out there uh, foraging all day um, for enough calories to support that. You burn about six to 8,000 calories a day when you're really hoofing it like that. Um, and there's also portions of the trail in which you cannot legally harvest. You can't harvest in state parks. You can't harvest in national parks. Uh, so that, that limits you some. Um, but where you can, you can, you can pick up those, those healthy, healthy foods you know, going back to what I was saying before, backpacking food, a lot of it, not uh, not some of those excellent granola bars that are out there, but um, a lot of it. <laughs> she doesn't mean that, Cliff. <laughs> a lot of it is pretty nutrient deficient. Um, and our wild edible greens in particular are so high in um, vitamins, minerals, uh, even protein. Um Wood nettle, for example, oh, is one of the most protein-rich uh, vegetables available. 10% protein. Um, and even the greens you get in the grocery store are not going to compare to the nutrients you're going to find in your wild greens. They're being harvested right there. They aren't, they aren't being transported in trucks. They aren't sitting on shelves for goodness knows how long. Um, 
so they're they are just chock full chock full um and then a lot of these these wild edible foods double as medicines um one for example is uh cleavers or gallium alparine is the scientific name um you can stew that up in uh your your oats in the morning or uh or your guinness or your Guinness, yep, yep. I, I haven't tried that, but maybe we can get some more information from Dale about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, you can chew it up and spit it out and put it on uh, bug bites or poison ivy. Uh, so that would be called a spit and chew poultice yep. or chew and spit poultice. So um, there actually is a term for that uh, that method. Mm-hmm. Um, but <coughs> We can't know, say that term, though. <laughs> Our left will be up and down all over again. <laughs> but go ahead. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of times I look at our edible foods or our medicinal foods where the real, new, the, new, the real medical value or medicinal value of our uh, medicine plants is in their nutrition, is in their, their nutrients. Um, those antioxidants... Uh, can be very anti-inflammatory, um, and and vitamins and minerals support our systems, support our muscles, support our ligaments, support our oh, absolutely. Bones. I, I mean, I'm a big believer in pine trees. I mean, I, you know, I, I know when I was paddling, uh, there was areas that I would go through and uh, and and I would make tea out of the pine needles, you know, because it's very high in vitamin C. Absolutely. It has antioxidants in it, and then pine sap uh, is great not only as a fire starter. But it, it's an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that is, is what you're talking about there is a way to cut down on weight in, in your backpacks and, and in your other things. And uh, I have a good friend of mine, and he and his wife both are, are long hikers. and But they are so focused on reducing as much weight as they can. Cutting off the ends of their toothbrushes. Oh, they do. <laughs> it is crazy what they do. I'm not even sure they carry toothbrushes anymore. I think they, <laughs> they put it on the end of their finger, and I mean, because they, they don't want to do that. And I said, like, guys, if you're not in shape to carry more than 10 pounds, you don't need to be doing that. And it, it's kind of a running joke with us. Uh, but they're always looking at that. And, and fortunately, there's some great technology out there that, that does get. But um, you were talking a little earlier, Heather, about talking with people before you went on your trip and, and educating yourself. And I always talk to people about that, uh, talking to people that have done something. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if I was going to through hike the Appalachian Trail, which ain't going to happen, um, the, you know, I, I would talk to people like you and other people that have done it and say, tell me what can go wrong. Uh, you know, tell me what I need to plan for and what I want to do. And, and I tell hikers all the time and people who've been out there, one of the best things that you can do is actually go out and, and get some training in for plants sure. uh, because it does uh, it does give you uh, something to go along there with. Um, let's talk a little bit. We've got a couple of minutes here about uh, hiking the mountains to the sea trail and, and researching your, your book and your guide that you did for that. So for the Mountains to Sea Trail, I, I picked that trail in particular because I had been studying the plants of North Carolina for the last couple of years, and I wanted to study them further, and I wanted to actually incorporate them into my long-distance hiking. Um, so the Mountains to Sea Trail goes from the Smoky Mountains to um, the Outer Banks. Uh, when I 
did it the first time, it was 950 miles. They've now tacked on uh, over 200 miles, so they're, they're lengthening it on me each year. Um, but what I did was I, I brought my, my netbook with me and my plant guides and uh, hit the trail and kept a daily list um, every day of what plants I encountered and what abundance and what plant communities they were growing um, and then experimented with adding them to my Lipton's pesticides or my instant rice dishes or my instant oats or whatever. So using basic backpacking staples, I incorporated these, these edible, edible plants. Um, and it was really interesting, too, just to watch the, the vegetation change, you know, the mountains, uh, our portion here so so rich so diverse yeah. um i was doing no more than seven eight miles a day through there um and then of course when you get into the piedmont it's all the common the common weeds um very very useful plants and then the coastal plain you know you get more into the exotic uh oh yeah exotic plants i i, I tell people that if you really knew what was in your yard you probably wouldn't mow <laughs> Because <laughs> there are some great, uh, you know, I, I go out and make a salad out of what's in the my backyard. The weeds are some of the best. Absolutely, edible medicinal. They're they're great for for um, for everything, and 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 again, they're abundant. They're there, and I mean, here in Western North Carolina, uh, we live in such a, a diverse uh, ecosystem uh, uh, with plants and and uh, uh, what's available to us out there. This is Dale Stewart with Nature's Edge. We're talking to Miss Heather Housekeeper, who is a long-distance hiker. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Heather's book and um, her blog and some other things, so we shall return. Welcome back. This is Dale, and you're tuned to Nature's Edge, and I really appreciate you listening in to us. We're talking today to uh, Miss Heather Housekeeper. Heather is a long-distance hiker. She is a certified herbalist and a published author. And um, let's talk about that published author thing a little bit, uh, uh, Heather. I know, I know you've written a guide. Uh, it's it's more of a, a backpacker's guide. Uh, yes. But mm-hmm. but really anybody that uh, that's out there on on identifying and harvesting plants. So yeah. tell us about that. Yeah. So the name of uh, the book is a guide to the edible and medicinal plants of the mountains to sea trail, and it is very much a backpacker's practical guide to identifying, harvesting, uh, and utilizing the edible and medicinal plants that can be found along the trail. Um, of course, a lot of the plants that I'm, I'm listing in this guide can also be found in your backyard and in your uh, urban wild spaces yeah. so that may be forgotten thickets. It may be alleyways. It may be, you know, the side of the side of the road even. Um, and of course, there's all kinds of precautions that go along with harvesting from the side of the road. So please yeah. don't just go out there and pick. Um, but that's all in the book. Um, Good. <laughs> and, and the book is, is sort of designed to go in your backpack? I mean, it it's something is, you want yeah, it's, it's to carry with you. and I did not include all of the edible and medicinal plants I encountered. No, it'd be a big book. Right. For the reason of what lightweight backpacker wants to carry a tome that size uh, in, in their backpack. So it's, um, 
about 60 plants, um, all of which can be harvested and used easily. So without a lot of preparation, without having to boil the greens three times, you know, in three changes of water, or having to, uh, you know, shred shred bark for hours, um, or mill mill flour or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's all very easy to use plants, and I also see the the mountains to sea trail as a sort of classroom. So you can take the guide out there, even if you aren't preparing the plants on the trail. You can take the guide out, learn how to identify these plants, get to know them. You know what region to look to look for these plants because the guide is split into three different regions, the mountains, the Piedmont, the coastal plain. Um, you know where to find them on the trail. That gives you a little bit of a head start. Um, find them on the trail, get to know them well, and then find them in your, in your backyard or on your other trails that you enjoy hiking on or wild places. Heather, do you teach classes? I mean, do you actually take people out and say that's good and that's bad i do and that is really the best way i feel to get to know the plants um i i take folks out on anywhere from an hour plant walk to a day-long plant walk and that's what we do we just walk along and study the plants and oftentimes the plant walks are not strenuous um because we're taking so much time to to look at the plants you make it about a Oh, uh, eighth of a mile, and you have to stop and talk for a half hour about what we're what we're surrounded by. Um, and then I also lead um, workshops in preparing the the edible medicinal plants. Well, since since we're talking about that, a how can people find your book, uh, and b how can they get in touch with you if they want to have you come uh, talk to a group or lead a lead a walk for them? Yeah. Well, um, first off, the book is available on my website which is uh, thebotanicalhiker.blogspot.com. Um, and I'll, like, I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, too. Um, it's also available throughout the state of North Carolina in small independent booksellers. Um, Asheville, there's a lot, of, a lot of places in Asheville you can find it. Um, and to contact me for, for workshops and plant walks, uh, best way is to contact me through that blog or shoot me an email. Um, heather.herbs.yoga at gmail.com um, and I'm also on Facebook so you can find me on Facebook under the Botanical Hiker. Yeah, I think we just became friends on, on Facebook. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah, to, to get out there. So, um, and, and folks, I will, uh, I'll put all of those uh, uh, ways to get in touch with Heather on, uh, uh, on my Facebook page and on other social media stuff as well so you can uh, you can get that out there. And I, you do a blog as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk so my, about that. My blog, I began when I did my first uh, through hike on the Mountains to Sea Trail. So while I was out there hiking um, with my netbook, I would be at camp blogging about the events of the day, what plants I had encountered, uh, my, my adventures while I was out there, um, running into country dogs and interesting locals and... Um, uh, oh, all kinds of challenges, rainstorms and such. Um, so I kept that blog throughout that hike, and then I continued to um, blog since then, so over the last few years. So there's a ton of plant information up there, um, information about how to identify 
plants and utilize them and folklore. Um, also, just a lot of information about different trails that I have uh, that I've explored, and um, maybe there's a trail on there that you might be interested in as well. As long as it's wet. <laughs> yeah, no paddling, unfortunately. You have to go to Dale's website for that one. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, you can do the paddling thing and uh, and look at that. What uh, what's next, Heather? You got any big trails that you're looking at? I do. So next one is the Finger Lakes Trail, which is a long distance trail um, in New York State. It begins in the Alleghenies on the border of PA in New York and then makes its way... It's beautiful there. Uh, it, well, actually, I, I was going to say I'm sure it is, but I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, uh, I imagine it is. I'm from northeast Pennsylvania, so there's a, there's a connection there. Um, and then the trail makes its way east to the Catskill Nature Preserve, um, very close to uh, Livingston Manor and... Hudson Valley, that area. Yeah, that Hudson Valley area. That well, that whole area, that trail, that's going to be. Uh, how long is it? Well, the main trail is five hundred and sixty miles, but there's also six branch trails, um, which total another three hundred miles. So I will be doing the branch trails as well, and I believe I may be the first one to do a through hike uh, on the main trail and do all the branch trails at the same time way to go let me how and i know it depends on the environment and what's going on in the weather and everything else but uh, let's say on this trail about how long uh, how many miles a day can you do i will be doing anywhere from as few as 10 because of the the plant research i'll be doing on this trail as well um to as many as 25 to 30 depending on uh what the terrain is like getting nice it yeah level level trail without uh, many roots or rocks you can really breeze by um but the more challenging areas you have to move yeah it, it was funny when i was paddling i particularly with news media they would always ask me can you arrive in our town at two o'clock and i'd go <laughs> guys i'm paddling a small boat on a big river and i'm at sort of at the mercy of uh of the river the current and mother nature but i'll do my best to, to let you know so yeah, we always set out, uh, you know, with a distance involved uh, or in mind, and then but things happen, um, and uh, you have to adjust for those. And for you, sure. And and, and, and uh, so you, you've you've got to look at that. And and I found one thing that is certain is that there is uncertainty out there. For sure. Yeah. You you plan, you plan, you plan, and then you just go with the flow. <laughs> That's it. I tell people that all the time. You you, you know don't. Uh, and, and if guys, if you're trying to do a trip or something like this, and you're you're just saying, "Oh, I've only got a week to do it," you know, just realize that you're you're just going to do a week, and then you're probably going to have to go back and finish it because everything is not going to uh, turn out just the way you want it. Heather, it it has been a true pleasure having you on Nature's Edge today. Thank you, Dale. And uh, we we are going to. Uh, Leslie is pointing at me and wanting me to keep talking about something. So, um, any, I mean, what's next? You're, you're talking about this trail. Is there another book maybe There coming? is another book in the works, yes. So I'll hike this trail and do what I did on the Mountains to Sea Trail, chronicle the edible and medicinal plants, and then write a guide to the Finger Lakes Trail, a backpacker's guide. You know, there's some pretty good paddling up in that part of the area. Maybe I'll... Uh, 
Mm. The trail may come close enough to water that uh, I, I could could join you. I can always paddle well, by up there. it goes right up to those finger lakes. <laughs> it does. It does. Those finger lakes are beautiful paddling. This is Dale Stewart. You have been listening to Nature's Edge. Guys, get out there. Enjoy this beautiful weather. And until next time, I will see you in the wild. Mm-hmm.